0: Live from Ditka's on the heart of Chicago, the heart of Chicago, Illinois, the city of the Big Shoulders, and home, of course, to a certain football team which has carved out a special place in the pantheon of professional football greats. That team which is known the world over as the Bears. Welcome to Talking Giants, August 15th, 2019. I'm Bobby Skinner, coming to you live from FLA, Florida rider. if you didn't know that, that's how his name, he got his rap name. He just separated Florida. Here with my good friend, my good co-host, Danny King, coming to you from New York. Danny, we got the Bears this Friday, so tomorrow when you're listening to this, or maybe today, depending on when you listen, we get some stragglers. And a lot, a lot, a lot to, you know, we're going to get into that a lot, you know, what we expect out of that game, the guys we're going to be paying attention to the most, but we got some stuff to take care of. One, John Maris spoke and freaked out all of Giants Nation. Uh, Scott Simonson was cut for like 10 minutes. And then the Golden Tate suspension was upheld. So let's start there, Danny. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? I don't want to get too deep into it because we did talk about it a lot when it initially happened. But, I mean, like, how has your thoughts changed since? I mean, and just where are you at mentally with it?
1: Well, I'm more intrigued by the part where he said uh, the same doctor has given this same uh, th- or the same thing to two NFL players. So while obviously we won't ever know who those two NFL players are for legal reasons, they can't disclose that for medical reasons, but that, that caught my attention. But at, as I said I'm a, in a tweet, at the end of the day, he's responsible for what he put in his own body. He'd been in this league long enough where he should have checked – the NFL band substance list, he knows this. And it was a stupid decision by him, and it's going to cost him four games. And hopefully it doesn't cost us four games, but he was going to be a main factor of this offense and to lose him for the first four games, it's a tough blow, but it's not hard games, but two very important games, one against Dallas and one against Washington, two big division games that we need to win to get off to a good start. Yeah, I think
0: three of those games we're going to be favored in with Washington... Uh, Tampa, and Buffalo, even without Golden Tate. So it's not the biggest loss in the world. And I've said over and over again, if we're going to overuse Saquon, let's overuse him in those first four games and then see where the season's at. Um, and then we'll have a good taste of what we're getting out of e this year, at least to start off, um, which pisses a lot of people off, by the way, which we'll talk about with the John Mayer comments. But I really don't want to get too much into whether I believe him or not because Sometimes I'm like, okay, if he self-reported himself, but we also don't – like, it's not a fact that he self-reported himself. The NFL is not going to come out and say that he did or didn't. So I'll, I'll take his word on that. But I also know Clomid has been used as a masking agency, but it also is something that is used as a fertility drug. But at the end of the day, like, it's on him uh, for this. And he has every reason to lie. So that's, that's, like, the only thing I'll throw out there. I'm not going to say I believe him or don't believe him, but he does have every reason to lie. And while I do think Golden Tate is a pretty good dude, uh, there is a little bit of a checkered past with the whole Russell Wilson rumors that led to a a fight with Percy Like, we know the Percy Harvin fight happened. The stuff with Russell Wilson's wife are rumors. And then, like, way back at, like, some uh, bagel shop or a donut shop or something, where they, like, wrecked broke into the place. Like, little stupid stuff. Well, actually, the Russell Wilson wife isn't little stupid stuff. But basically what I'm getting at, too, is he has every every reason to lie, and he's not like some perfect Peter. But at the end of the day, even if he's telling the 100% truth, the NFL is zero tolerance with this. And it's honestly starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Can we stop, like, saying, well, Tyreek Hill didn't get suspended? That's like using OJ getting away with murder to justify every speeding ticket you have. Like, yes, what Tyreek Hill did is way worse. I'm just tired of hearing that argument. It's two separate cases. Um, the NFL, I, I, just, I judge everything individually. Yes, Tyreek Hill should be suspended, but that really has nothing to do with Tate. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just getting tired of that comparison.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I, I do agree with the comparison. I'm with you. It's two totally different cases and we know how it is. The NFL, that side of their policy, it's very skewed and it's very, it's, pr- it's pretty poor. That side, the. All, that whole side of policy with the rate rise, we all know that, but it's performance enhancing policy. We know exactly how that is. If you take something that's on that list, you're, you're done. You, you, you lost a battle. It's over. You should just, just don't even appeal. You're you're going to lose. It's how it's going to end. Usually.
0: Yeah. If, like I said, if you have a problem with that, which I, I mean, I do as well, like that, like take out the problem with that, but like saying like golden Tate shouldn't be suspended because Tiger Kill wasn't like, okay, we're going to continually do this. And like, like the analogy I use, like when I see that, I just think of someone getting pulled over for speeding and be like, "Oh, you're gonna give me a ticket, but you let OJ get away free." Like that's just <laughs> like what comes to mind with me every time I see that. Um, which maybe maybe somebody could should try that. Although that actually would pack fire That cop is gonna get real pissed off at you if you if you try and do that excuse.
1: No, yeah, I can imagine, like, you just look at the cop and say, you let O.J. get away with murder, but you won't let me get away with a speeding ticket. They'll probably just, they'll just look at you and be like, all right, this, this guy's just crazy and just they hand you a ticket.
0: Over the past year, I've gotten seven warnings for my brake light being out. Every time, like, I <laughs> oh, didn't know, didn't know. Sorry about that, uh, uh, officer. Every time, I get a warning. So, uh, it, it works out pretty well. They, they
1: hope when they see a brake light out that it leads to something. If the brake light's out, they think they get something
0: exactly in fact i got pulled over for a tag like we got pulled over for a tag light being not bright enough it's like dude you just (laughs) you thought we were drinking that's what it was don't lie to me and say our tag light isn't bright enough Like you thought we were drinking and now you look like an idiot buddy Uh, (laughs) um anyways uh got way off track there yeah so golden taste suspended as far as like on the on field for those first four games they're very winnable games um it doesn't like it's not like our whole offense was predicated on Golden Tate. Like Sterling Shepard could fit fit into that slot uh, spot, while he's gone, it definitely is a loss. But I, I don't know. I I'm not freaking out about it as much as I was that first day after. Um, coupled with the Coleman ACL that came the day before the suspension.
1: No, yeah. As I said, is it a blow to this offense? Yes, but it's four winnable games, and I and I've been adamant that I feel like, <clears throat> you know, Man yes, I feel like Lionel Shepard are going to be the duo that help try to bring this team back to the promised land. And they're going to, as long as, Lionel uh, Shepard's farm is fine, which it looks like it is because they keep throwing him passes. And at this point, it doesn't seem like it's an issue. As I say this, it's, something's going to happen. And then we're just going to laugh about it. Or not laugh about it. We'll be like, of course it happened again. But no, it's, yeah, it sucks. He's gone, but... It's the next man of mentality. And as Pat Schermer said in his in an interview, uh <laughs> who, who, who who how can you replace Golden Tate? Another wide receiver. That's all there is to it.
0: I know. They were trying to dig at him so hard, like, well, like he, he was brought in to be a starter. Like, what are you gonna do without him? And they said, I'm gonna play another wide receiver is what I'm gonna do. Just put it really <laughs> elegantly. This listen, listen if you want to say yeah, if you want to say Pat Sir- Shermer is pompous, it probably would not that press conference because he just wasn't having it. In fact, I'm going to see if this audio shows up on here. This is live on air, trying something. All right, here we go. Can we hear that? No. Ah, oh! we'll just look at the Talking Giants Twitter page. Uh, <laughs> all right, so yeah, <laughs> I just I got a kick out of that. Um, he was rolling his eyes at a few people. So. All right. Next on the list, we'll get to John Mayer after this. What you know, his comments. Uh, Scott Simonson. This was so weird, man. All of a sudden, like you just see, like the beat reporters saying Scott Simonson is being cut, but he's being re-signed. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then for a good 20 minutes, the most of the beat reporters were baffled because they didn't know what was going on. They got told by somebody else, like like uh, an outside, an outside, like a uh, like news site or blog or whatever. Just looked at like the releasings and saw like Scott Simonson on the official because the team didn't announce it, like nobody within the organization like told anybody, um, and they were baffled like, oh, it's uh, um, bookkeeping, and, then, and I was just like, well, like, what does that mean? They're like, uh, the Giants are they're the reason they're like they're like defending why they didn't know. It's like just say that you don't know and you way in the here. They just kept on calling everything bookkeeping, and then finally Dan Duggan who we like a lot and, and comes on the show here and there. He said, I'll, I'll just read it. To clarify the Scott Simonson bookkeeping matter, essentially it's an accounting issue. Here's the explanation per source. Simonson re-signed in February. So that technically qualified as an extension, and therefore he wasn't eligible for a minimum salary benefit contract. Those contracts allow for players with four or more credited seasons to carry the same cap hit as the minimum salary players uh, for players with two credited seasons. Simonson signed a one-year Eight hundred ninety-five thousand contract with a base salary of eight hundred five bonus bonus, the full eight hundred ninety-five counted against the cap. The Giants are releasing him and re-signing him to uh, a minimum salary base contract. He still gets eight hundred ninety-five, but cap charge drops to seven thirty-five. Skymson. So basically, what it was is that instead of just signing him as a free agent and letting him like like be released and be as a free agent and let his contract expire, they accidentally extended him. So that's basically what it was. And then his cap hit goes down like 100 grand because of it. Um, but he still gets the same amount of money. So that's, that's basically what it was. But I thought it was funny. Like you could clearly tell that a few of the beat reporters had no idea what they were going on. And they just kept yelling bookkeeping at us like, we were the idiots.
1: Well, as we're filming this, I only found out about this about like 25 minutes ago. I, I didn't check Twitter, and all of a sudden I'm just scrolling through, and then I see Scott Simonson's been cut. And then I then see Dan Duggan say he's not cut, he got re signed. Basically, all I care is he got re- he's still on the team. That's all I need to know about. I, I'm still <laughs> confused at this moment, but he got cut, but then he got re signed to a different I don't know. He's on the team. That's all I care about.
0: I know. It was like. Pan- what was funny is because they've released the punter Ryan Anderson afterwards, the kid out of the lefty out of Rutgers, and so I had tweeted out from the Talking Giants page saying like Giants have released Ryan Anderson, like okay, up to date on the Talking Giants page, and then I see like 30 minutes ago from and it wasn't from a beat reporter, it was from another website saying Scott Simonson has been cut by the Giants and plans to resign. I'm like, well, what is what do you mean he plans to resign? Like, what is going on? What is the point of this? Why couldn't they restructure? And then thankfully Duggan was able to. To clear it up for us a little bit,
1: yeah. Just uh, we're hammering, but honestly, if it wasn't for Dan Duggan, there would probably still be confusion to this day. I mean, right now, he, Field Yates said he got cut. I'm like, wait, Field Yates. I'm like, hold up, not, that's big. And then, then Jordan kind of clarified it, but then Dan like went to like the really technical part, which is helpful because it made it. it it elaborated to really what happened but as you said just the bookkeeping issue that that made it even stranger it's like we were talking about it's like they signed it to a deal but like scott Simonson, like did they pay him extra did like they rip off money from him yeah and that was, was that's what was frustrating i was like what does this mean and they're like, bookkeeping error. It's like, I
0: understand that's a bookkeeping what does What does that mean? Does that mean they accidentally gave him a $6 million contract? Does it mean his contract expires in week three? Like, I don't know what that bookkeeping error means. I was getting so aggravated. And then finally, Duggan explained it. And I even, like, because I was bothered by a quote, quote tweet. It. It like, Duggan explains uh, everything with the Simonson issue instead of just yelling, instead of just tweeting bookkeeping at people. Like, we're the idiots. <laughs> um like it was, it was just frustrating. It's like what does that mean? I, I I understand that it's bookkeeping, but that could mean a million different things. Um so I just uh looking back is kind of funny. That's good. Um so we're going to get into the the uh, the bears preview, but last thing on on the docket before that, John Mary came out and spoke. Um and the gist of what he said, he said uh, you know, he spoke for a decent amount of time, but basically the big thing he said is in an ideal world, so he literally like prefaced it with "in it, a perfect world," Eli Manning will start the whole season, and Daniel Jones won't play, and it will have a great season. That definitely couldn't start a controversy, Danny. Not wrong, Danny. It did. <laughs> People were freaking out about this. I was like wondering what, like, what did John Mary say? I'm like, it might have like, what did John Mary say? And I was so busy yesterday when I finally caught up to it. I was like, this is why people are mad because he says we want to win, and people are like, that's the pro- the the problem is though is that you should want Jones to play if Eli's not playing well. It's like, yeah, th- he said if Eli's playing great, he'll be in and we'll have a great season. He didn't say that. Hopefully, Eli, you know, kind of sucks it up and we go, you know, six and six and uh, six and ten the season. We never see Daniel Jones. That's not what he said. He said, hopefully Eli does really well. We have a successful season, and we don't have to see Daniel Jones this year. That's what he said. So people are, like kept on coming at me, being like, well, like, we're not going to see Daniel Jones. They're just going to let Eli suck it up and not be good this year. It's like, no. What he's saying is that Eli's a starter, and hopefully the starter does well. I, I don't understand how that's that hard to comp- comprehend. People were calling him a disgrace for this. I I, I was blown away by it.
1: I think it, it just kind of came out wrong. It's like, it, no, he,
0: if, if John Mayer could have said anything, John Mayer could have said, like, we're going to go and save children in Guatemala. And then, like, this freaking scumbag, how about you worry about your tight end death, not the children in Guatemala? <laughs> it's like when they did the crack for cancer thing um, with like the eggs. And the people were just like, literally, like roasting him for that. It's, he could have said anything. And I promise you that people would have been mad about it.
1: No, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I, I watched it. I, I didn't see the outrage. I mean, maybe it's just because John Mara is John Mara, or maybe they didn't like the way he said it in such a monotone voice, like, I hope Eli will start all games and Daniel Jones is there. And Never so. Quite. No, he does have a... I mean, I I don't get the controversy. I watched it. And, I mean, I personally hope I see Eli all 16 games because that means we're winning. If he gets taken out, that means we're losing. And I don't want to be losing. I want to be winning. And and we went into this knowing that Eli Mann is a starter until we suck and start losing. And that's all it is. We won't see Daniel Jones until we start losing big time. And just John Mara talking just he, he just bothers people because he's got he was part of the reason why odell's gone why landon's gone he was part of the first eli Benchin. so even though now people want eli gone i don't know we are such petty fans john's fans we are we, we are i feel bad for john maris sometimes like we're just, we're just so annoying we're like oh you can't do anything right even though you're the owner of the team and give us the joy and what
0: was funny is there's something legitimate you could actually say that was wrong that i kind of agreed where he said if Eli's benched, I would like to be notified first. Which I think he was saying, like, if he's going to be benched, like, for him a week, he wants to be notified first. But I think if you wanted to, like, spin that and run with it, you could be like, what, what are they going to do? Call you in the second quarter in your box and ask if you, they can bench Eli? Like, if like that was if you were going to want to spin this and, like, make John Mayer an idiot, that's what you should have went after. Because, uh, like, if John Mayer wants to be notified mid-game that they're taking out Eli, yeah, that's a problem. Which is, I don't think that's what he meant. But, like, that is what people should have spun and ran with, not that he wants to win.
1: It's mainly because he—we all know what happened in 2017 when Ben McAdoo called Eli into his office. He wants to be the one to tell Eli. He doesn't want him to go through a coach because the coach—Pat he Pat Sherman, he, I guarantee he likes Eli, but he doesn't have, like, the connection— with Eli, John Mayer has that connection. He wants to be the one to tell Eli because Eli's brought him two Super Bowl rings and a good amount of money and attention. Pat Shermer hasn't done j- anything for Eli except help j- try and improve him. It, like if it was Tom Coughlin, then it would be a different story because Eli and Tom Coughlin have that chemistry and he would understand it. It's just, yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with you. He. I don't know why. Yes, he has to know the decision, but like I don't want him to be a main factor into the decision. I want this to be between Pat Shermer and Dave Gellman. John Mayer should just be there and be like, okay, uh, I understand, just so he's informed with everything. He shouldn't be making part of a very crucial decision to this franchise. That is Dave Gellman's and Pat Shermer's job.
0: Yeah, and that's a reasonable take. Not that how dare this scumbag want the team to win with their starting quarterback. That it blew my mind. It really did. I think it's just people can't stand John Mayer and they're gonna be mad. We didn't have
1: anything to get mad at for the past two days. So look, he came out and Jive's fans were cracking their knuckles ready to say they were like watching him with like owl eyes and he said something they're already on Twitter typing away.
0: (laughs) It was it was pretty brutal. In fact, I you know, I I made the the compilation video of the how dare you and I was like I I wanted to post something. I wanted to put it on the Instagram and Facebook, but I was like, I don't know if they'd get this. I think this is just like a Twitter thing, and maybe that's, maybe that's where like we shouldn't even be talking about this because I bet you like, like people that aren't on Twitter have no idea that like this was this huge issue.
1: Just know Twitter is a very different place than Instagram and Facebook. You all are very calm. Twitter, if if you like put like a uppercase uh, C in where it's not supposed to be, you'll get in trouble instantly. That's what Twitter is. It's just a very dangerous place. Twitter.
0: Yeah. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Talking Giants. All right. Let's do a little preview of the Bears. Friday night. So, you know, we'll we'll come with an episode Monday morning. We're not gonna do one Saturday because nobody listens to podcasts on the weekend. Um and the people that would are gonna listen to us when we do it on Monday. So we're gonna do it on Monday. Basically, I went and looked at because I remember week three last year, the Bears didn't play their starters and everyone like I remember Bears fans freaking out. Being like, well, this is supposed to be getting us ready for the regular season. We're not playing them. So I went back and looked, and the second preseason game last year, the Bears starters only played one, uh, one series. So I would expect the exact same. I think Matt Nagy doesn't believe in playing his, his starters in the preseason a whole lot. So don't expect to see the Bears starters uh, you know, play a whole lot. It would be probably similar to the Jets. Although I think Pat Shimmer has made it clear that the Giants are going to play their starters for at least a few series. They want to see more out of Eli. They want to see more out of Jones. Uh, so Eli has to play well, not because it matters, but because people will be breathing like, like freaking out if he doesn't play well and Daniel Jones does. Um, so let's just go into our, our three players to watch for, and we'll let it branch out from there. Danny, why don't you start us off?
1: So the three players, I'm, I, I guess I'll say mine first and then, wait, so I'm probably doing one by one? I'm just going to One
0: by one by one.
1: All that, right. So. That, song
0: goes, that song's two by two, so yeah. <laughs> it didn't really work. One by one.
1: So while we're on it, might as well not delay it. First player I got to watch, Eli Manning. Reason being, he needs to be better than, well, this isn't his fault, but I got to see more than one for one for three yards. I need to see, he's been throwing the ball deep in practice. He's been doing, he's been doing well in practice. And then the, the taste we got of him was one for one for three yards. That was like, it was like, oh, could Eli be good? But then it was like, such like a disappointment that that only happened but I think the Giants knew because obviously obviously they knew there was definitely bad weather in the area and they were aware of that and they decided all right let's just pull Eli now let's give Daniel Jones at least a series because that's all we can possibly guarantee it and that's what happened and then after that he got pulled so I expect well week three is going to be the real warm-up game and Eli will probably play first quarter second quarter probably up till halftime Eli will at least get maybe two free drives. I'm I'm leaning more towards the two sides, and that's what the game plan was last week. And then Daniel Jones will get the ball. He but he's just got to prove that he can throw the ball deep well because that Red Ellison thing is still people are still gonna hold that up. He's to go out there and be Eli that he's been in practice, throw the ball deep, make good passes, just make good decisions. That's all I want to see from Eli. And it's two drives that I expect to happen.
0: Yeah, I agree. And stepping up in the pocket. Now you've got two really good guards, a center who we trust in Jalapio and a better tackle in Mike Remmers against a, a, a really good Bears defense. I don't know if Khalil Mack's going to play, but they will have a starting defensive line out there. Step up into that pocket and throw the ball downfield. Don't settle for checkdowns. And we talked about it when we were talking about Daniel Jones' week, uh, preseason game. Checkdowns were there. Checkdowns were there. Checkdowns would have been the safer play. Some would even call it the smarter play, but he took chances. Eli, you got to do it. Um, so yeah. And I, and let Pat Schirmer, let's not like run these three yard routes. Um, we're like these designed like fullback passes, like the spider, spider XY banana, you know, Gruden plays that go to the fullback run, run plays where he has to read the defense downfield and, and throw it on, on an outbreaking route to be the safety. So that's, that's what I want to see out of Eli. Um, my first guy is going to be Mike Remmers. Mike Remmers, let's see how you do against uh, a, Bears, a, a good Bears defensive line. He had one bad play in that first game in 11 snaps, which isn't great, but it's not bad, and it's a lot better than Chad Wheeler. Um, who I, th- I almost thought about putting Chad Wheeler on this guy, uh, this, this guy's uh, the players to watch, which he is a player to watch. But Mike Remmers, go out there, have another really good game, be a little better in the run game. And don't have any mistakes in the pass game. I want to see what we can get out of Mike Remmers because really, I think I think our trust from Solder to to Zeitler, I think we all have good trust in them, including Halapio, and and Remmers is the guy that is kind of the iffy one. Um, so I, Remmers is definitely a guy to watch for me.
1: Yeah, just improving the run game and just keep building the chemistry with Kevin Zeitler because we need that right side to be key. The left side is pretty much dead Nate Will Hernandez have shown they can handle it. Now we just need Kevin Zeidler. Mike, well, we know Kevin Zeidler can handle it. We just need them to keep building the chemistry and just keep the pocket clean for Eli and possibly Daniel Jones. We're not sure if he'll run with the. I feel like he'll probably run with the first team offensive line for at least a few series, and then they'll take them all out and uh, put in the second team guys. But on the offensive line, the next guy i um, I'm gonna be looking out for is uh, Nick Gates because he didn't. Have a good first preseason game That look like. so I just hopefully I'm just looking to limit the penalties because he had a lot of penalties last se- uh, last game. Keep that to a minimum and uh, just show that you belong out there. And uh, hopefully he moves back to the guard position.
0: Danny turn your camera off you're breaking up.
1: Oh, I'm breaking up.
0: That's some on-air editing right there.
1: On-air editing. So what did you hear me out to?
0: Just talk about Nick Gates again.
1: Okay, well, he, Nick, Ga- Nick Gates, Nick Gates, is how special you are that you get double the attention. But uh so Nick Gates uh just he did not have a good first preseason game. He absolutely bombed with uh two holding penalties that hurt drives. Uh that's because he got moved from tackle uh from guard to tackle we don't know what the tackle position is going to look like. We really won't know who's healthy and who's not. So just go out there, limit the penalties and just be better in the run game and pass protection. Just be a better version of Nick Gates and show that you belong on this roster.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely because when we talk about this pre-show Nick Gates is definitely going to be somebody I'm watching him and Chad Wheeler, big days for him. Um, Chad Wheeler, like I said, uh, when we were asked about surprise cuts, I can see Chad Wheeler being a surprise cut. Nick Gates plays well and they want to keep big George, on the roster, my next guy is going to be Julian Love. One, where are we going to see him at position wise? we going to let's let's see him at safety if we're going to have him as a backup safety. Let's let's see him get some safety reps, um, which we could see with Grant Haley uh, hopefully playing this Friday. So I want to see him get some safety reps, and I want to see him be uh, to trust himself a little more, be a little more confident pregame. He kind of caught his groove as the game went on. Had a really nice pass deflection. Uh, you know, had some lockdown plays. But he did struggle in that first drive on some mental errors. Um, you can bl- you possibly – which I, I talk with other people about this. I'm not sure who to blame that long pass. the lot of people said Peppers. Some said Love. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, like he was one of those guys and the touchdown was on him. Um, although I don't blame that a whole lot on him. But Julian Love is somebody I want to watch. One, just what position is he going to play? Is he going to be moving him back from corner safety? Or is he going to f- maybe find a home at corner or – or safety. So yeah, Julian loves a guy for me to watch.
1: No, I agree. We're not sure what Grant Haley. I, I I hope they keep Grant Haley out. I feel like he's already won the starting job there. But they did bring that guy in. So if they want to put him at slot, I, I forgot the name on the top of my head. So I'm gonna go find his name really quickly. But no, I, I hope Julian Love gets to play some uh, free safety because that is obviously his natural role. So I hope that oh here he goes. Terrell Sinkfield. I don't know much about him, but they brought him in mainly probably as a body, and he probably wouldn't have enough time to learn a defensive playbook. But maybe he could play there and Julian Love will pay free safety, but I do expect Grant Haley not to play, and I expect Julian Love to be back at the nickel position. And then the final guy I got to watch is O'Shane Zimenez. I didn't say it the wrong way, like we were critiqued for O'Shane Zimenez.
0: X I... X-M&A's? X-M&As.
1: <laughs> We're just gonna call him X Man, just so people can't get mad. So I'm talking about O'Shane, and now I'm just calling him X Man. So uh, he had didn't have the best start. He he wasn't really a factor in that first preseason game. He there's that touchdown that we it's hard to t- it's hard to blame him for it, but we're gonna blame him for it. So I just want him to. He was a rookie. I just want to see him improve, uh, show he's better version of himself than he was last week, and that he can be a factor in the Chicago game and. I, I mean don't get me wrong the the competition he's playing right now is probably a little bit Some of them are better than what he played down in old dominion. So this this probably. is no, nothing Definitely is nothing wrong with him going up against second string guys first string guys like the, the same for daniel jones going up against the second team chicago defense. That's not bad That's mo, more or better than what he played with at duke. So just go out there and just be a better version of yourself. That's all I, I just want to see improvement promotion. I want to hear his name more in a good way, like make a good tackle just, or even get in a sack. Just do something, O'Shane, to make me seem smart.
0: Hey, Daniel Jones sucks because he went against second stringers without Saquon, Evan Ingram, and Sterling Shepard. had not you heard, Danny? Uh, my last guy's going to be R.J. McIntosh. His best game last season was against the Bears in limited reps, but he had a really good game. I want to see him get a lot of reps. Just, Just solidify that you were that fourth guy on the defensive line rotation. Be that guy. I want to see him, um, you know, a, take advantage. Um, and as a whole on the defense, let's get to the QB with four guys. I understand that that's not what we're going to run all year, but let's get to the QB at least a few times with four guys. Like I said, that's not the kind of defense we're going to be running, but it would be nice to at least see it work every once in a while and know that we don't have to blitz for every single play to be successful. So get to the dang quarterback with four guys.
1: All right, just just give the quarterbacks something to fear about. Quarterbacks haven't had to fear about the Giants' pass rush mainly ever. Well, they had to fear, but not recently. Like 2017 and 2018, there was basically no pass rush. Just make them feel uncomfortable in the pocket. We haven't uh, made a quarterback feel wary about being in it, so just— Make them fear you guys. Like, it, like as a quarterback last year, you yeah, you have the game plan for the Giants, pass rush, but you wouldn't have to be, like, overly scared about it because there, there's not many guys coming at you. B.J. Hill, sure, yeah, he had five and a half sacks, but, like, what, three, three or two of them came in one game. So, still impressive what he did, but that was all in one game against Chase Daniel. So, to just make opposing offensive linemen and quarterback fear you.
0: So, Daniel Jones... Wouldn't it be something if he went out and didn't throw an incompletion again? Wouldn't that just be hilarious just that to throw that legend, right back Eric. in the media's face again? Daniel Jones, I think he might listen. Do not throw an incompletion. Worry about your completion percentage in this game just to throw it back in everybody's freaking face.
1: Hmm. No, just don't even – if you see everyone's covered downfield, just take it yourself, run. Don't even throw it. Just If you see a check down, get rid re- – you know what? Don't even throw it downfield. Just, just check it down. How about that? keep that completion percentage at 100 just you see you see someone wide open but you, you have your doubt just check it down immediately don't even look just don't even hesitate keep that completion percentage at 100
0: on a serious note it would be it would be nice to see him use his wheels a little bit see how you know he feels thrown outside the pocket and then you know maybe you know tucking one and going but obviously hopefully we get to see a little more complex defenses that way we don't have like that way we can actually enjoy it without people saying like oh did you look at the defenses even though Teams run cover two and cover three all the time, and the Giants were crippled by cover two last year. But for some reason, the preseason, it's the worst defense in the world, and I could throw against it. So I just want to see him make some good decisions and move that ball down the field. We're not expecting him to be perfect, although it would be nice, but let's move the ball downfield, limit mistakes, and, be de- and continue to be decisive. I think that really is one of Daniel Jones' strongest points. And we saw it in the preseason game. It's his decisiveness. So let's, let's see that. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see him again, man. I think every opportunity that we get to see him is going to be really exciting. Um, and, you know, we might get to see that in the regular season or not. Um, John Mara would hope not. But I, it's, it's, it's weird because we haven't had this feeling really since Eli Manning. This just this brand new excitement to see this guy. And I, I'm, I, I'm pumped for Friday night to watch Daniel Jones play.
1: Oh, yeah. It felt like this week, like if Daniel Jones sucked his first game, this week would have went by so much faster because we would have got to the game We'd be like, oh no, here we go again. But since he did so well, yes, yeah, five for five. I, I've heard it before, but still five for five. It felt like we were just like trudging along, trying to get there. It's like, oh, just please hurry up. Luckily, we are one day away. From seeing Daniel, Jones. I'm just excited because this isn't your Kyle Aletta or Davis Webb. Well, not, I had more faith in Davis Webb than I did Kyle Aletta. Obviously, we many people knew after a few games that they weren't the answer. We have a possibility of the answer at quarterback now, and just having that makes these preseason games even more excited than they've been in past few years because there's potential we're looking at the next, that we are looking at the franchise quarterback and hopefully the guy that will lead us to the promised land again
0: yep all right so I'm, I'm pumped all right so we got an interview with our, our guy pat Regazzo. he writes for giants wire giants insider g-men hq he does a lot of stuff he does uh a lot of med stuff had him on for about 15 minutes just to talk all things giants really good stuff go make sure to go give him a follow at Regazzo report so here it is pat Regazzo.
2: some of these guys got to get their head out of their ass around here
0: All right. We now welcome on one of my good friends. He writes for Giants Wire, G-Man HQ, Giant Insider. Does a lot of stuff for the Mets, covering them. Pat Ragazzo. What's going on, Pat? Bobby,
2: how's it going? Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here.
0: I know, man. I've, I've kept on delaying. Like, come oh, on, I got, I got to cancel. You got to cancel. So finally, they're good to get it, get it done. But before we start and talk about all the, you know, the Giants and whatnot, kind of like give us some insight onto where you, you know, how you got your start and where you are now.
2: So I actually got my start as a production assistant for WFAN last summer, uh, got to go to Giants training camp, uh, grew up a lifelong Giants fan, but last summer was really surreal for me, got to beat uh, pretty much every starter and coach on the Giants staff, Pat Shermer, Eli Manning, you know, had some good talks with them, uh, they actually live uh, the town over from me in, in Jersey, and uh, from there on, you know, I started writing, and writing for the Mets, got hooked up with them in December, and started writing for the Giants too, and you know, been chasing the dream ever since. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun, but it's also been a grind. So, and that's how I, uh, you know, stumbled across you and uh, Talking Giants and, uh, you know, humbled to be on
0: the show. Oh, yeah, of course, man. You know, we've exchanged DMs and I, I enjoy your work. Um, something right. that, uh, you know, when me and you first got hooked up, you interviewed Tay Davis, who's a guy I've talked with, a guy I like a lot. You know, we've, you know, we've got a chance to interview a bunch of people, but he's somebody I really like on the field. From your interview or from watching him, what is something that, like, stuck out to you from him and then we could go on to the rest of the team?
2: Well, for Tay, uh, what sticks out to me about him is that he's really fast. He's a very good coverage linebacker because, of course, I'm sure, as you know, he's a converted safety from college. And that's something that James Betcher and Gettleman liked for this defensive system. Um, but at the same time, we did watch, you know, film from – the first preseason game, and I'm not going to buy too much into it yet because Tay did, you know, wind up taking over the starting role last year at inside linebacker, and he played pretty well. Wind up starting over B.J. Goodson, who they're now competing with. But at the same time, uh, you know, he he didn't have an, a bad first preseason game, but at the same time, there were a couple plays, you know, where, like, he looks like more of a defensive back and not, you know, uh, that – more like that Ryan Connolly type who's like a filling hard nose downhill linebacker middle linebacker that you know you want in uh, at the middle of your defense. So, but I but I like Tay. I think that he's a pretty nice player. It's just, you know, he plays a different style of inside linebacker than than what you're used to than what we Yeah. Used
0: to. Yeah, I agree and I've been like banging this drum like yes, he's he's good at, in the coverage, but there is times where he's just hit the hole a little quicker and he did a better job in that preseason uh, game one, but there also was a couple times where he needed to do a little better job of that. So, going to the rest of the team, though, and we, we seem to start every interview we do about the quarterback situation, and then John Mayer had the comments about, you know, hopefully Daniel doesn't play at all. Where do you stand with the QB situation? Like, are you someone that's like, start Daniel Jones week one, or give Eli a chance? I mean, where do you stand with all that? First
2: off, with the Mara comments, um, I mean, people are, like, going on, they're like, oh, well, you know, you use such a high pick on him, like, why would you hope he doesn't play? But, you know, that's just like it, the whole statement being taken out of context because he said it in the, in the light that he hopes that Eli plays well and the team plays well and that they're in it, you know, to where they don't have to make a, a change at quarterback. Because more than likely, it seems like Jones is only going to play, you know, as of right now, as of the plan, Jones is only going to play if the Giants are, you know, out of it. Say they're 2-5 and five after seven weeks, like then Jones will probably play. At the same time, now I was at the preseason game on Thursday, and I loved what I saw from Jones. He really—he looked like a like a seasoned veteran in the league with his decision making, you know, his snap throws, and he was putting the ball where he wanted to to put it. Like I honestly thought there was an over under whether he was going to throw an interception or not, and you know, I I actually bet the ten dollars to uh to, that he would throw one because I thought he was going to be nervous. You know, that's no knock against his, hey, name, his if, ability. If the
0: rain didn't happen, we might we might have gotten one in this whole. This whole week might have been changed a whole lot. But, yeah, I hear you.
2: (laughs) Either that or we would have gotten another touchdown pass because Jones really – he looked really good, and I'm excited to see what we're going to see from him the rest of the preseason. And, And I said this too, and I've been saying this since last Thursday. If he balls out like he did in a larger sample this preseason, he deserves to start because they did pass up the best pass rusher in the class in Josh Allen out of Kentucky to get this kid because he was their guy. You know, quarterbacks who are taking that high in this league now, they don't sit. It's not the Kansas City model that doesn't come along very often. The Aaron Rodgers is, you know, you don't see that anymore. This guy needs to play. If he earns it, he deserves to play. Best players should play. Give us the best chance to win.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, and I think Eli will right away be better than Daniel Jones. But I agree with you 100% where, like you said, the best guy needs to play. I don't care if he's making 23 mil. Um, and it was in the back of my head, and we talked about it on the, the show the other day that those, there's checkdowns available on his two biggest throws. And the thought in your head was like, man, do you think Eli makes those throws or no? So it's, it's going to be what we're talking about until Daniel Jones starts his first game. It's just, that's just the way it's going to be. That's what happens when you draft a young QB with a vet like Eli. But to move on, Tate, the suspension came back. It's four games. It's kind of what we all expected. One, what do you think of the, uh, the suspension? And then two, who do you, who do you see stepping up the most on the offense because of it?
2: Well, initially, um, when we heard about Tate getting suspended, it was like when it rains, it pours because Shepard had had broken his thumb two days before and uh, Corey Coleman had torn his ACL on the same day. And then we hear that, you know, that guy incarcerated Bob was saying, oh, an NFL player, you know, is getting suspended in an already very thin receiving core. And then it wound up. It was Golden Tate. And, uh, you know, I was like, wow, the Giants just lost their top three receivers. Well, it's not as bad as it sounds because he's only missing four games. The Giants are playing. The Cowboys, Bills, Bucks, and Redskins in those first four weeks, I think they'll be okay. Shepard's already on his way back as long as he doesn't uh, suffer any more setbacks. I mean, I kind of think that they're not being careful enough with Shepard, letting him catch passes in practice already. But at the same time, you know, he looks good. And it was really just like a minor break at the tip of the thumb. So he'll be okay. Um, Evan Ingram stepped up tremendously in the second half last season. I'm expecting a breakout year from him. This year, as long as he stays healthy, and then uh, guys like Cody Latimer, Russell Shepard, and Benny Fowler all contributed nicely to the offense last year in the second half. It was really my what t- was the turning point for me was at the trade deadline last year, uh, second half of the season. The Giants they acquired Jamon Brown to play right guard, and he upgraded their offensive line. And once he did, Eli played better. The offense played better. They scored enough points to win every game. Didn't even matter. When they didn't have Odell, they still averaged 30 points a game. And everyone, you know, was kind of pitching in. Ingram had a big, 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 uh, some big games down the stretch. And, and, you know, I think they'll just be just fine because right now they have an identical receiving core, add in Darius Slayton minus Corey Coleman and uh, minus Golden Tate for the first four games. But that's only a fourth of the season. So I think that they'll just be okay. So pump the brakes on Panic
0: City for now. Yeah, that first day, like you said, man, it was like, is, can anything get worse for this wide receiver crew? But like you said, it's a it's a pretty easy four game stretch now. I don't think there's going to be any like super easy games going into it for the Giants. But it, it's it was the best time for it to happen was you know the first four games, and there's there's a plenty of time to prepare with four week three week opponents, and we'll see with Dallas whether they have Zeke or not.
2: Um, as, as for um as for my ba- my breakout player, uh. I think uh, my explanation pretty much uh, spoke for itself that I think Evan Ingram is going to be the breakout player. But, you know, keep an eye on Benny Fowler. He's been heavily involved so far in uh, in first game of the preseason and in practice, so he's a big-bodied receiver, and, and I really am excited to see what he can do. But Latimer also had, had a big uh, he had a big finale last year against the Cowboys. So, you know, look for these guys to step up while, while Tate's out.
0: Yeah, out of those guys that aren't named Tate or Shepard or Ingram, out of the receiving crew, who do you see having just the biggest numbers Come season ends, Latimer, Fowler, or another guy like TJ Jones.
2: Probably Fowler at the rate he's being targeted so far, and uh, you know he seems to be a favorite of Eli and and Daniel Jones so far. So so I I'd say I'd say Fowler, but but Latimer, you know, probably has the most potential, but he's he's dealt with some injuries in the past. So so I right now I'm going to say I'm going to go with Benny Fowler, but but look out for Cody Latimer too.
0: Yeah, it's hard, it's hard for me to get too hyped on Latimer because I like him a lot. And I was I was extremely pumped for him last year. And then the injuries have just kind of always been a problem, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, on the defensive side, now we saw in the preseason game, it's going to be vanilla defenses, but we also saw that there wasn't much, much pass rush when they were rushing four, which was pretty much the whole game. Who do you see being like the guy on defense for the Giants this year to really make plays and elevate them?
2: Um, honestly, I think that Lorenzo Carter and B.J. Hill you know, are probably going to take the, the next step this year. They both had very solid rookie campaigns last year um they have some nice guys coming back though you know uh grant haley of course didn't play in preseason game one he sprained his shoulder but he's back at practice this week um he had a nice year for them uh but yeah they are you know they didn't upgrade the pass rush when that was a main problem last year so you know that's a concern uh hoping to see some more out of dexter lawrence uh he you know he was kind of had a quiet game uh he made some plays though that you know don't show up in the box score as you know, I know you went back and watched the film as I did on, uh, uh, Mike, too Nice's breakdown of the starting D was really good. And, uh, there was a play where that stuck out to me where Dexter Lawrence, he took on two blockers. And instead, uh, because he was taking on those two blockers, uh, Lenzo Carter was able to come in on block to make the play in the backfield. So, you know, just stuff like little stuff like that, you know, that could contribute the pass rush obviously needs to get better. And I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago that, uh, since they didn't really upgrade the pass rush, the James is going to have to get creative with the secondary you know and, and call them blitzes and safety blitzes, you know, and using they they're probably going to be playing a lot of nickel defense, so um yeah, but one thing I wanted to bring up to you too was uh you know the struggle of the young secondary i mean i've been I know you have too we've been hyping up the young secondary, they got some nice players in the draft, but seemed to be a lot of miscommunications last week that hopefully they can clean up.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with this young secondary. They're super talented, and there's a lot to get excited about. But youth, young talent, doesn't always mean success right away. Which Which of those guys, you know, out of all the young guys, are you most like impressed with? Is it DeAndre Baker? I mean, we didn't get to see him like really ball out in that first preseason game, but we saw Ballantyne, who was the sixth round, and that was really the first kind of action we saw on him. You know, we saw a few highlights from Washburn in training camp. But which one of those guys are you, like, most excited about in the secondary?
2: Um, I mean, I was the most excited for DeAndre Baker. Um, of course, he sprained his knee this week, and, uh, you know, he's probably going to be out for a couple of weeks. So that's that's concerning considering he did kind of have a rough first preseason game. Uh, he did make it a nice play to break up a pass, and then it was a very late pass interference call afterwards. So, you know, that, that just kind of added to, to the rough night that he had, even though that wasn't his fault. Um, but again, yeah, miscommunications, uh, Julian Love had a tough game too. Uh, both very, I was both excited about those guys and, uh, you know, I think that they'll improve. It's just like, we also have to realize that, yeah, they're young guys in the secondary and there are going to be growing pains because that is, you know, defensive backs one of the hardest positions to play in football. So I think that right now, Ballantyne is, is in the lead, you know, for, for, you know, guy who's adjusting the quickest. So I'm excited to see him. Um, at the same time we also have Jabril Peppers now who's a young guy coming in he had a good uh, sophomore year last year he's a he's a Paramus Catholic guy he's a Jersey guy so he's he's my age and uh, I actually watched him play in high school he played against um John Hillman who played at St. Peters who I know you know too and and I we both had interviewed him and uh they they squared off in the uh, 2013 uh state championship at MetLife that year too so it's funny that they're both now playing for them again and uh, playing for the Giants again and that they're teammates and I actually had asked Hillman that too about about Jabril about how close that they were you know before they were teammates and he said like how it's still you know it's weird that they now they still line up against each other because it's offense defense and practice but it's weird that they're on the same team and and I had asked them who's who could win in a race and uh Hillman runs, he's a running back, and he runs a 4-4, but he still said Jabril, because we both know Jabril's a freak athlete, so I'm excited to, excited to see what we're going to, you know, get out of him this year. Yeah,
0: he's such a wild card, man, there's, like, you know, he did make a lot of improvements, and he could be so exciting, we saw that on the on the dropped interception, that what he can do, there was somewhat of a busted coverage, but yeah, he's going to be really exciting, and you mentioned John Hillman. Uh, I was glad his interview with you was a lot better than mine. That, my, that, that one was pretty bad on my part, but you did a good job. So, Pat, before uh, we let you go, where can people find you?
2: People can find me on Twitter at Regazzo Report. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at P. 83. and check out my work at Giants Wire, Metzmerized Online, and The Giant Insider. Um, I also host a weekly podcast with Frank the Tank, of barstool so you can catch us on itunes and soundcloud and uh download and subscribe to our weekly podcast we'll have a lot of fun guests on and uh hopefully we'll be getting you on there soon bobby to talk a little giants
0: sounds good to me pat All right, i appreciate you coming on man have a good one thanks for having me You too